welcome to Shoot the Flick, official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies and TV shows. Yes, that we do. That we do. And this week, Scott is showing me the first season of a very popular television show that I have always wanted to watch but never actually got around to doing. But like so many other things with this show it it has forced me to finally pull the trigger and sit down and watch it scott what have you shown me what have you opened my eyes to today we just watched the first season of avatar the last airbender season one aka book one water released in 2005 with a whopping 20 episodes they're all like 20-ish minutes each, so they're actually very easy to get through. Yeah, but it is funny going back and watching it because I got very obsessed with the show, and it does get a lot more action-packed as the series goes on. This is a lot more establishing a lot of characters in the world. and Yeah, it, it is, but I would say that even with that, it's still very entertaining. There's a very healthy mix of fun, like action-y, plot, war crazy shit but also cute humor it's perfectly balanced so you're satisfied on both ends of the entertainment spectrum yeah i really think they did a great job all the characters are very memorable also another kind of weird thing i I noticed watching this season now this might just be because we for the past year have been re-watching all the harry potter movies but Watching the season of Avatar The Last Airbender, I noticed that there are a lot of connections to Harry Potter. (laughs) Scott is looking at me very quizzically. I'm going to back up my fucking statement, okay? Okay, sure. You can back up your statement all you want. I fucking will. But yes, this is a show I used to watch with my friends. We'd actually get together and watch new episodes as they came out. It kind of does bum me out that I didn't watch this as a kid because it feels like to me watching this now as an adult it feels like it would have been a show that made you feel like you're watching a grown-up show because there's a lot of grown-up shit in this show like oh yeah the backdrop of the whole season and i i assume the rest of the series is this waging war that's lasted a hundred years right so you know and there are some elements in this show that are pretty uh pretty heavy there's that word again heavy why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? Oh yeah, there's a ton of heavy shit, especially involving Suko and his uncle Iroh, and even Aang himself. That's you just mentioned Zuko. You're gonna tell me that Zuko is not basically Malfoy, but in Avatar. He's not Malfoy. But he's basically Malfoy. No, he's better developed than Malfoy. I agree with that, but I'm just saying the basic arc of Zuko is Malfoy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. I don't think Malfoy ever gets to the turn. But we're not even there yet. This is the first season. Okay, okay. So just to give you some preliminary background fun facts, as I often do. Avatar The Last Airbender is an Emmy Award-winning Nickelodeon cartoon series that is number 12 on the IMDb top-rated TV shows between Game of Thrones and Rick and Morty on the list. Damn, that's, well... That's pretty heavy. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? It was created by 
two gentlemen by the name of Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko. And they both worked on the show Family Guy, actually, previously. And they left that show to work on this, which, good choice. Yeah, well, it's funny because they've been trying for a while now, at least Netflix has, to produce a live-action version of this. I, I would like it if they did, like, a more adult version of it. Uh, yeah, Not adult like porn, just adult like <laughs> grown up TV show. And then, of course, we also have uh, M. Night's uh, attempt. Oh, yes. We, we should discuss the elephant in the room. There was a live action film created by M. Night Shyamalan in 2010 based solely on this first season of Avatar. And it bombed so bad. <laughs> I never saw it. Because I never saw the original show, so I didn't want the movie to ruin any potential that I would have had to watch the show. But I've seen clips here and there, and it's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, he doesn't get like the beauty of it, almost. Like He, he makes it so tedious. So eventually, we're going to have to watch it for Shoot the Flick. <laughs> <sighs> Because now we're watching the TV show, but we'll get there when we get there. There is obviously a lot of incredible talent here from the creators to the voice talent, which we'll talk more about as we get into it. And also, on top of all that, I actually had a, another fun fact. You know that guy named Dave Filoni? Oh, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, he's involved in basically anything Star Wars right now. He actually directed eight episodes of this show including the first and last episode of this season. Yeah, it, it's insane that, that the guy who's behind Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, was also just had a hand in this show as well. I understand calling it a kid's show because of that, but it tackles so many themes from fatherhood to revenge. To war and family and grief and, and all these crazy things. Yeah, and all our main cast is 12 through 16, so it makes sense that you connect with these people because... S similar to Harry Potter? Oh, God. Keep going with this. Yep. Just because they're young doesn't mean it's Harry Potter. I'm not saying it Hunger is Harry Games. Potter. I'm saying that there are comparisons. There are more comparisons. Battle Royale. There are more comparisons to be made, Scott. Okay. I'm going to get there. Don't you worry. Honestly, this, theory, this series has stuck with me for so long. I actually bought the entire series from Target. I bought it for you, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Either way, I own the entire series. Overall, so Frankie, you've now watched the first 20 episodes. Did you have a strong opinion of it beforehand? or? I knew based on everything that you've said about it and other friends of mine have said about it that I was going to like it. My thing is, with new TV shows, I have anxiety about getting into it. Because I know once I'm in it, I like fall down the rabbit hole and I'm like obsessed and I want to binge and like, you know what I mean? I'm that kind of person where like I get all the way into it. And especially if it's a long TV series, that it gives me a lot of like, oh God, I'm going to get into this whole fucking 10 mile long rabbit hole. With Avatar, it wasn't as bad because again, it's shorter episodes. It's three seasons. So it's definitely less of a daunting task so that wasn't as much of an issue i thought it was going to be more kitty than it ended up being and it is kitty there's definite kid humor 
all over, but I laughed out loud multiple times. So it's not kitty like sophomoric, it's kitty like fun. But then at the same time, people are beating the shit out of each other with magical powers. <laughs> I don't have time for your magic tricks. Illusions, Dad. You don't have time for my illusions. What? So this is going to be a general overview of the first season. I think both Frankie and I can agree. You should go watch it. Definitely. I, I highly recommend. It's on Netflix. So get it while it's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the way we're going to do this, it's going to be a more extemporaneous conversation, kind of like how we did with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers television show retrospective. We're basically just going to talk about the season in general, uh, some of our favorite moments, favorite episodes, least favorite moments, least favorite episodes, characters, what we liked, what we didn't like. Just just kind of just, just chat. Just have a nice chat. Yes. But uh, I think at least the first episode, we should definitely talk about the first episode by itself because that's kind of the beginning of this whole journey. Yes, the pilot is very important to establishing what we're, we're doing here. So let's, let's get right into the nitty gritty. Yeah, so the first episode is called The Boy and the Iceberg. We start off with meeting two of our main characters, Sokka and Katara. Sokka is voiced by Jack DeSena, and Katara is voiced by Mae Whitman, who is an actress who has been in some movies as of late. She was the main character in The Duff. She's in Perks of Wallflower, Scott Pilgrim. She's been in a bunch of things. Where Sokka is the joke a lot of the time, Katara is very much more straight-laced. Oh, God. Okay, let's introduce the other person because then i want to get to a fucking harry potter comparison go ahead uh so they're out hunting for food in the arctic they find a boy trapped in an iceberg oh well here okay no they're they're fighting right yeah. Sokka and katara they're brother and sister and they're fighting because that's what brother and sisters do and Sokka says something like really sexist and Katara gets pissed off and she has these magical powers. She's a waterbender. Yes. Which basically means she can control water and yes. ice and all that shit. So she gets pissed off and she starts like yelling at Sokka and unwittingly starts fucking with this iceberg nearby, cracking it and making it splinter worse and worse. And eventually it breaks open and uh, for some reason, there's a little boy inside. <laughs> but what I found hilarious, because in the first episode, I was like, oh, wow, Sokka's an asshole. Because he's like every five seconds saying something sexist or annoying. But don't worry, he quickly becomes my favorite character. But what I found hilarious is that if Sokka wasn't a sexist asshole to start off this show then Katara would never have gotten pissed off at him and broken up the iceberg and we never would have found Aang. So really, the fact that Sokka is a sexist prick in the pilot episode is a gift. And it's it's all thanks to Sokka's sexism that this show happens. I, I guess, yes. So thanks, Sokka. <laughs> but yeah, they find a boy stuck in the ice. He's got arrow tattoos and he has a giant bison named Appa. Yes. Well, he's he's more like a bison manatee hybrid. That's the thing, too. All the animals that are in the show, and there are a lot of animal creatures in the show, they're all like a mixture of two different animals, which I think is adorable. And it leads to a lot of really cool designs. Like, I just I love the creativity of this whole world that we're building. 
But yeah, we find this young 12-year-old boy, and his name is Aang. 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 His name is Aang. Yeah, I know. In the movie, I know enough about the M. Night Shyamalan movie to know that all the fucking names were said incorrectly, which I don't understand how that even happens because you fucking can watch the show <laughs> that you're making the movie about. I I don't know. Anywho. So Aang gets released from this ice by Katara, alerting a passing by Fire Nation ship. Yeah, the Fire Nation is the bad guys. The show starts with Katara actually reads us a whole big thing about the Fire Nation starting this war a hundred years ago. Yeah, there's there's four different elements, obviously. Air, fire, earth, and water. And they all represent different tribes. The Avatar, who's meant to keep balance, disappeared a hundred years ago. Yeah, the Avatar is meant to be the one person that can master all four elements. And he's supposed to protect the world the chosen one, so on and so forth, which brings me to my first Harry Potter comparison. Your Harry Potter, Star Wars, every chosen one is Matrix. No, 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 but I specifically compare it to Harry Potter. Because you're a Potterhead? Well, yes, but (laughs) I have specific reasons, okay? Now think of it this way. Let's start with Aang. He is a young boy, the chosen one. He has been ostracized from other people harry potter because he was not raised among magical folk ang because he is a hundred years out of his own time because he's been in the iceberg for a hundred fucking years there are multiple times in this season where we see ang kind of feeling like a fish out of water in that way so that's why he's like harry the reason Katara is like Hermione is because she's always got the the smart wisdom she's a strong fighter she's She's a fucking amazing waterbender, just like Hermione's an amazing fucking wizard. And then we have Ron Weasley, Sokka, <laughs> who has no magical powers, is pretty much an average Joe Schmo, but he's there to be the great friend and the comic relief a lot of the time. Yeah, but Sokka, unlike Ron, mm. actually does quite a lot throughout these episodes as they go on. Ron does stuff too. He just isn't he, as good as Harry and Hermione. Therefore, that's our trio supreme right there. Ron does like one thing. He has a wizard chest in the first thing and he's Motherfucker, done. Motherfucker, we're not fucking done with the series yet, okay? Ron is very useful. <laughs> he killed the Horcrux, alright? Shut the fuck up. Okay. The point is that Aang... Katara and Sokka are our trio supreme from Harry Potter. Luke, Suck it. <laughs> Leia, They're not Han. the same. They're not the same, though. It, it's Every fucking thing has a trio. I understand that. I just think that they're more like the Harry Potter trio than I, the other I trio. I don't think Aang is like Harry, really, at all. I absolutely, yes, what do you mean? I think Aang is so much more powerful and more... Harry is very... He's the chosen one. Aang is literally the chosen one. Who gets lucky all the time. Aang gets lucky too. Aang is like the... Well, A, he's the only airbender left because that comes up. He is the last of the airbenders because the Fire Nation killed all the airbenders. But Aang is like, A, one of the best airbenders to ever exist. I don't disagree with you. I'm just telling you how I felt watching the show. I watched it and thought, oh, it's like Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And also, Aang is a ton more of a goofball than fucking Harry is. Well, that's... Yeah, no, that's true. 
And also, too, like, I just want to mention for the whole series, like, the sound effects are just like, mwah, chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. Like, they're so cute and funny. <laughs> and it's so weird because, again, it's like kitty humor balanced with all this ultra serious war shit going on. But they'll be like in the midst of a fight or something or like an argument. And then all of a sudden someone will just poke somebody else with a stick and the sound effects will be like, blink, blink, blink. And it's, like, <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> so back to the episode, a beam of light shoots into the sky when Aang is freed, alerting this Fire Nation ship where we are introduced to Zuko and his uncle Iroh. So Zuko and Uncle Iroh actually have some pretty uh, standout voice actors. Zuko is voiced by Dante Bosco. Yes, he is. Who, if you don't know who that is, most people I feel like would know him as Rufio from Hook. He is Rufio. Rufio! Rufio! And um, Uncle Iroh is voiced by Mako. Who is a legend. Yeah, he's a, a very well-known Oscar-nominated Japanese American actor. These characters are great. And they only get better. And I know enough about Avatar in general to know that eventually he does turn to the good side. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that because I, I really love when they take villain characters and take them from being cardboard cutouts to really developing them and making them well rounded people. Well, it's also not even just like, yeah, the turn is great for villain characters. But he's not like a true blue villain. When we meet him, he is a determined 16-year-old who wants his honor back because, as we find out through the show, one of the best episodes is called uh, The Storm. Yeah, that was one of my favorite episodes. Which connects a lot of Aang's backstory with a lot of Zuko's backstory. Right. And in Zuko's backstory, you find out in defending a new battalion of Fire Nation troops, he spoke out at the meeting that he wasn't supposed to speak out at, and his father took that as an insult, and his father is the Fire Lord, and challenged him to a duel, and the Fire Lord scarred Zuko's left eye, and sent him on this journey. He's like, you are going to find the Avatar, you are banished from the Fire Nation until you find the Avatar, and he's now been searching for the Avatar for the past two years. But what I love about it, though, is that when you first see Zuko, you see this obviously very evil-looking character with the scar in his eye, and you're like, okay. And he, you know, he's saying the very typical villainy lines, and you're like, oh, this is clearly just you know cardboard cutout, like evil guy. And they let you think that for a while until they really kind of slowly but surely trickle in things about his backstory and what he's been through. And then by the time the season ends you genuinely feel bad for him and you based on the fact that throughout the season he's interacted with Aang multiple times because he keeps trying to catch him but somehow or another he escapes but there's a connection between the two of them and you just want them to make that connection and like realize that they're not that different from each other and like be fucking friends like you just want that to happen well there's another great moment uh there's an episode called the blue spirit which Aang gets captured by our kind of real big bad of this season, Admiral Zhao. Yes, who, by the way, another Harry Potter connection, voiced by Jason Isaacs, who played Lucius Malfoy. Well, yeah, he's... Ticking my column, thank you. Zhao is a hothead. 
he's very villainous, and him and Zuko butt heads constantly. Because Zuko, he wants the Avatar for good, re- like to go home, right? And Zhao just wants the Avatar for more power, power and, for himself and glory. Yeah. But in the Blue Spirit episode, Zhao captures Aang, and Zuko, disguised as the Blue Spirit, breaks Aang out of prison, and Aang ends up saving Zuko when he gets un- knocked unconscious. And they're sitting in the forest, and Aang's looking at Suko, and he goes, A hundred years ago, I had a friend in the Fire Nation. I used to see him all the goddamn time. Do you think if it wasn't for this war, we would be friends? And then immediately, Zuko is just like, whoosh, and he throws fire at him. And it's like, no, you fucking idiot. (laughs) But I I did find out a cool fact about Zuko, and I kind of wanted to mention it because it's interesting Zuko was one of the last characters added to the show to give our trio supreme a more direct villain, which I thought was very interesting. So he was a last minute addition and he ended up becoming one of the most well-rounded, like kick-ass characters in the show. But another thing I found interesting, which again, another Harry Potter connection, Zuko was originally going to be Katara's love interest instead of Aang which made me think of Hermione and Draco because a lot of people have shipped Hermione and Draco no over the years I'm just saying what exists in the world I'm just saying what exists in Potterland all right I'm not saying I ship them I certainly don't but that's what it made me think of because it's like the bad guy hates the the main girl character in the public eye but in reality secretly is in love with her that's how people ship draco and hermione and i got that vibe too when zuko captures katara and they kind of fight and then there's another they fight a couple times in this season and i got that kind of vibe where in another universe they could have chemistry together well they do have chemistry that's the thing but yet so we we end the first episode finding out that the trio has to go on this long journey and Aang has to learn all four elements. We're going on a mission to find someone who can train us in waterbending, both Aang and Katara. Well, because in her tribe, she is the only waterbender and Sokka's the last like older male. Everybody went off to war. Yeah, there, there is a mention of their mom who died during a Fire Nation raid yes. on their tribe. And that's an element that is trickling throughout the season as well, because Katara has this necklace that was her mother's and she has it with her all the time. And uh, eventually she loses it and Zuko takes it. He uses it to track them and it's a whole thing. But it's also used to talk about grief throughout the series because there are a couple moments they come across other kids who have suffered in different ways oh, due yeah. to this war. They've lost parents. They've lost loved ones. And that's always kind of a cloud hanging over the, the whole season. Well, it's crazy because they have everybody who's dealing with this war that's been going on for a hundred years. Like we meet the Kyoshi Warriors at one point. The leader of the Kyoshi Warriors is a girl named Suki who is a kick-ass fighter. And she's kind of what stops Sokka from being a sexist asshole yeah well the reason that Sokka really kind of became my favorite character is a he's obviously the the funniest character but also he I feel like he evolved a lot yes Katara and Aang do too but they evolve a lot more I feel like through learning 
the different bending techniques and becoming better warriors, I guess. Sokka becomes a better warrior too. Like they all mature in their own ways, but Sokka, I feel like, has the biggest personal growth. Yeah, he definitely does, but he is also the funniest character in the entire goddamn definitely. show. Definitely. Oh, yeah. He's always got the funny lines. Just a guy with a boomerang. I didn't ask for all this flying and magic. Literally in the third episode, we introduce one of our other little animal characters. Momo. Momo, who is a mix between a bat and a lemur. <laughs> But he's so freaking adorable. The kids are all like so hungry and they're just like tired as fuck from all their travels. And they find this fucking lemur. And Aang is like, a lemur. And Sokka just goes, dinner. And starts chasing the fucking cute little animal around. And it's like, it's such a simple, like obvious moment. But just his delivery of it is so fucking funny. He's just oh, so yeah. desperate and exhausted. <laughs> Dinner. <laughs> well, he's got great comments. But I also think one of the characters who is probably my favorite character of the entire show is Iroh. You don't see it a lot, but he's such a great character in his support of Zuko. In just the little things he says, he's got these pearls of fucking wisdom all the time. Yeah, I have the feeling too, after watching this season, that he's going to be a lot more developed going forward and we're going to get more from him. Well, they did drop a lot at the very end for you. Right. That's why I felt like there was more to come. Because like the last two episodes drops, a lot of people think of him as a failure for a raid on a city called Ba Sing Se. We will get to Ba Sing Se. Oh, jeez. But Iroh is such a good character. He's a badass. Yeah, he's so laid back throughout the whole season. But when he gets mad or when he gets passionate about something, like if Zuko's in danger, he turns it on. There's a reason he was a general of the Fire Nation. And he's obsessed with tea. <laughs> yes, ginger tea is my favorite. <laughs> but another favorite episode of mine was episode six, which was called Imprisoned. It was the episode where the earthbenders get kidnapped yes. and put on this metal rig in the middle of the ocean and they can't Earthbend. do anything. Yeah, they can't do anything. It's great. Not just for the whole episode, because Katara actually ends up getting kidnapped and put on the rig, and she turns into, like, the William Wallace of this fucking episode. Some of you may think that the Fire Nation has made you powerless. Yes, they have taken away your ability to bend, but they can't take away your courage. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! But there's also some great voice acting in this episode. We have George Takei playing the prison warden. I recognize the voice right away. Yeah, you it's, can't you can't mistake the voice. Yeah, Star Trek fame. He's an incredible voice. We also we had this cute little male character who was kind of like buddy buddy with Katara, this little teenage boy named Haru. And he eventually gets kidnapped with Katara and they get put on this rig and they find Haru's father. And when Haru's father started talking, I'm like, I know who that is. Who the fuck is this guy? And it was Kevin Michael Richardson, who is a another well-known, very deep-voiced voice actor. He voiced Captain Gantu in 
Lilo and Stitch, who was like the alien. Oh yeah, guard. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Job of the Hut in the Clone Wars. Yes, he was. And he voiced the Joker in several Batman cartoons. Oh, and he played Jerome on Family Guy. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, Jerome. He has over 500 credits on his IMDb. Right. I, those are just a handful. But this guy is like a fucking legend. But also, I had another like moment during this episode because at one point, one of the prisoners is like, we are powerless. And it just made me think of In the Heights. <laughs> oh, God. We are powerless. We are powerless. powerless we are powerless <laughs> another great character who was introduced is jet he comes later on but jet is like a robin hood-esque character who has also been orphaned by the war and his idea is to destroy a dam and wipe out this one city that's filled with fire nation guards it's a really great ethical dilemma that's put in this yeah. episode because it's like this is what happens in a war situation but at the same time it's like well that doesn't make you any better than the bad guys and it's a great episode for Sokka too because he's the he's the other end of the ethical coin here right and it's it's great seeing the two of them kind of match yeah. wits here yeah he gets his moment to shine really honestly we could talk about every episode there's so many great moments one of the best jokes that happens I think four or five times in the series, is the cabbage guy. My cabbages! Uh, it was, I think, supposed to be just a one-time gag, but it got such a strong reception that it was brought back several times. So Aang does try and pick up not only waterbending, but he does try to pick up firebending in the season, and he burns Katara, which is like a big fucking thing for him, because Aang... From the very beginning, like the first episode, he sees Katara and he's instantly in love with her. You learn a lot about the Avatar through this first season that it's a job, basically, that has been reincarnated from person to person. We meet the last Avatar, Avatar Roku. <clears throat> Dumbledore. Yeah. What? Did you say yeah? Yeah. <gasps> you accept that there are connections to Harry Potter now? I'll give you, I'll give you your Harry Potter. It's Dumbledore. Yeah. It, he's a very distant wise old man that gives him vague instructions on what to do it's just an interesting like dynamic in the idea uh there's a usually a couple points throughout the season where ang goes blue yeah it usually happens in moments of like we're fucked we're fucked we need help like we have no other options he his arrow tattoos glow blue and his eyes glow blue and then shit gets real and he saves the day in this season, we don't know what that exactly is yet. Right, yeah. It's just like a power surge, essentially, but we don't really know why. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay, yeah, don't, don't. But yeah, it is, it, that is a huge thing. But it's really cool when it happens, because yeah, Aang gets like this boost of power that's fucking crazy. It, it, what's a moment that like stood out to you, or like a joke that you have that you can think of right now? Oh, I actually I wrote down my favorite line okay. of the whole, se of okay. the whole season. <laughs> okay, so in the fortune teller episode, <laughs> which seems like it's a random one because it's kind of like a, a lighter episode, but the whole premise of the and it's not even my favorite episode, but it had my favorite most funny line in the in the whole season. So in the fortune teller episode basically Sokka the whole time is like this lady is full of shit she's like a snake oil salesman she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about and 
the fortune teller tells the people in her town like oh based on the the signs from the clouds and my psychic abilities they tell me that the volcano that's over your town isn't going to explode this year yay and everyone's happy until our trio supreme go up to the fucking volcano for something and they notice that it's bubbling and about to burst so they're like oh fuck we have to warn people and the townspeople are like oh no it's fine it's fine our fortune teller lady said it's all good and and so our trio supreme break into the fortune teller's place steal her cloud sign book ang and katara because they're waterbenders they go up into the clouds on appa and they proceed to reshape the clouds so ang says to katara look at the book what's the cloud sign for shit's gonna get real yeah and one of them goes the fluffy bunny cloud forecasts doom and destruction and that was my favorite line of the whole fucking fucking season (laughs) In this whole uh, this whole season, there are only two episodes that I don't enjoy watching. Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned that. Let's see if it's the same one as mine, because my I, least favorite one was uh, episode eleven, which is the Great Divide, and it just so happens to be the lowest rated episode on IMDb. It is yes, the Great Divide is one of the two of them, and the other one is Baco of the Water Tribe. I like that one. Okay, so let, let's start with the Great Divide. It has a rating of 7 out of 10 on IMDb, so it's not bad. I mean, the average rating of all the episodes in season one is 8.4. So there's really no bad episodes, I would no, say. No, it's just... But this one's definitely, I would say, the weakest. It's honestly it's, not bad until the very end. Yeah, it's essentially, though, just the odd couple, but in the world of Avatar The Last Airbender. (laughs) It's like one tribe is neat and prim and proper and the other tribe is full of slobs and they're dirty and they stuff their faces all the time. And we don't get along. And the trio supreme, mainly Aang, is tasked with trying to like make them all get along. And then at the end, it's all kind of undercut because Aang just makes up a complete lie to make them get along with each other. I don't know what that's supposed to teach you. Yeah, it's like... It's a bottle episode. It's like, who cares? You can skip that one, honestly. Yeah, honestly, there's nothing that comes from that episode that ever comes back. And Bato from the Water Tribe. The reason I have problems with this episode... I think that's at least important to the plot. It is. You can't skip this one. It is important to the plot because you learn about Katara and Sokka's father and the Water Tribe. But I just don't like the fact that Aang gets this letter and immediately is like, and he pockets the leather. I get what you're saying. My only counter argument to that is like, and it's easy to forget while you're watching the show because there's so many adult things and they're fighting and kicking ass all the time. Aang is 12. Yeah, again, I I agree with you. He's, He's a kid. So he's in a situation where he hears his two best friends, his only real friends, talking about wanting to leave him and go to see their dad, not realizing that as soon as he leaves the room, they say, oh, we would love to see dad, but we can't because we have to help Aang. But whatever, common TV show misunderstanding, whatever. He hears them saying that and is hurt and scared to be alone and he's 
he doesn't know what to do afterwards. He's like, well, if I tell them that I got this letter, then I'm an asshole that hid the letter from their dad. But then eventually he feels bad enough that he confesses and he gives them the letter and it all works out in the end. But it's a very typical like sitcom-y yeah, exactly. type situation. But so a, I, I get that. It's not anything we haven't seen before. And that's why it's one of my lowest of the season. My two favorites were definitely the one with the with them all in the metal rig and them kicking ass and getting out of the metal rig and then the storm which was the one where we compare basically Aang's background to Zuko's and we get more background on both of them. I think that was a really strong one. And then once we get into the last three episodes of the show, those were awesome as well. Yes. Like those would be my favorites as well shit gets really real at this fucking point like there's not nearly as much kitty shit at this point yeah we're we're in the muck now we're in the real thick of the war here well yeah this is actually where we get our only two deaths of this season i give this show a lot of credit because like i said even though it is a kid's show and there are some kitty elements and predictable things but for the most part I really didn't know what was coming. And once we got to the last three episodes and I knew like, okay, we're getting to the real nitty gritty now. I genuinely didn't know how it was going to end. I feel like a lot of shows in general, you can kind of predict a lot, especially when you get down to the the wire, you kind of can predict a lot of where it's going to end. But this, I really had no idea. Well, the last three episodes take place at the Northern Water Tribe's palace. Because where we saw, like, Sokka and the Water Tribe, they had this little, like, fishing village. Right. This is like a... A fortress, yeah. And a whole village around it. It's like a kingdom. It's like Agrabah, but with ice. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, they've spent this whole season up to this point trying to get to the North Pole. So Aang and Katara can be trained in waterbending. And we're finally here. So our goal has been achieved, but there's three more episodes so it's like what's gonna happen (laughs) yeah so the first of these episodes is they find their teacher who's a cunt yeah he's an asshole he's a sexist fucking asshole he's like oh i'll train you ang no problem and ang's like oh i have this friend who's a waterbender and he's like oh cool sounds good can't wait and then he and katara show up the next day and he's like oh no 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 you have a vagina, so you can't learn how to fight. No, so, no, 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 no. And I'm like, bitch, I'm offended. <laughs> so I'm going to pull a Frankie here. No, no, no. Stick to the status, the status quo. Now converted Scott completely to the High School Musical cult. No, we're all in this. No, together. no, no. Uh, but so, uh, oh my god, Ang tries to teach Katara in secret. That blows up in his face. This whole tribes thing is like women can only be healers, right? Because we learned a little earlier that she can use her water powers to heal people. Yeah. She, she healed herself when uh, Aang burned her, which I thought was cool. I actually didn't see that coming. I thought she was going to have a burn on her hand for like the rest of the fucking thing. And it was going to be a constant reminder of what he did to her. And I was like, oh, my God. It's funny that you bring that up 
Ooh, okay. Because in that moment, Aang does say something. I don't know if you caught it. I'll never do fire again. I will never fire bend again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard him say that. And that is such a big point from this point on because until much later in the series, that is true. Right. Oh, because he's scared because he hurt her. He didn't mean to. It was an accident, but he hurt her. It's such a small thing, but like they, they stick to that like mm-hmm. pretty much for a long time. Well, I imagine that's very traumatizing. Oh, it is. We we keep coming back to the Storm episode because the Storm episode is a great episode. Right. Yeah. No, it is. Definitely. But when we talk about Aang's backstory, his mentor, Monk Gyatsu, mm-hmm. brings up a lot of time that he doesn't think Aang is ready to be told that he's the Avatar. Because most of the time, the Avatar is told that they are the Avatar at the age of 16. They're telling Aang at the age of 12 because war is on the horizon and they have to get him ready. So it's funny because, yeah, that's why he reacts in the way he does. And he runs because he doesn't want to be separated from Monkeyatsu and he doesn't want to be the Avatar. He tries to teach Katara... That blows up in his face and leads to Katara having this fucking epic fight with the Water Master. That was a great fight. However, there is a fight that happens a little later, I think, in the next episode that I think was one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite fight of the whole season, which we'll get to in a hot second, but continue. Yeah, so Katara basically using brute force, not being taught how to water bend. So everything she's learned, she's basically learned from doing it. Which is also just like sheer force of will because every time he knocks her back, she just keeps getting up. She's like, cool hand Luke. Like she just keeps getting up, keeps getting up, keeps getting up, which I I like her. This is the most that I liked Katara in the whole season because there are times where like Hermione, actually, she can get a little annoying with her like, I have all the wisdom, eh? I'm such a good girl. But see, unlike Hermione, where I don't think you ever see it, it does blow up in her face occasionally. Like, in the Jet episode, she is all into Jet shit. Oh, yeah. She's, like, moist for Jet, but then it ends up backfiring in her face. I get what you're saying. But, yeah, this was a great moment for her. I kept telling Frankie, like, there's something that comes up later with Katara that is so fucking scary when you think about it. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned as to what that could be. But right. if you've seen the uh, show, if you have seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. I'm a little, a little scared to see what happens there, but okay. <laughs> oh, it's fucking horrifying when you think about it. But then after this fight, I guess the the teacher guy he kind of gains respect for her and he trains her as well. Well, he Aang. also does realize that Katara's grandmother is like his lost love. Oh yeah, her grandmother used to be a part of the Northern Water Tribe. But then she laughed for reasons, which well, they didn't really uh, explain. They, well, they basically kind of passed it off. She left because she didn't want to be forced to marry anybody. Oh, okay. Right. They have arranged marriages. Right, right, right. Also, while this episode is going on, though, Sokka meets a young, pretty girl. Yes, Princess Yue, who uh, he immediately takes a liking to. He has a cute little line here where he's like flirting with her or attempting to flirt with her. And he goes... So it looks like I'm going to be in town for a while. I'm thinking maybe we could do an activity together. Do an activity? And I turn to Scott. I'm like, Scott, would you like to do an activity together sometime? <laughs> it's like the cutest thing. But she does buy into it. They are very flirty together. Yeah, and it's, it's very cute. cute. 
it's a cute first love kind of thing going on and it's cute because they have a couple episodes to like develop it a little bit I knew that this thing was coming I knew vaguely about it because of what I know about the movie I know that in the movie Sokka or Soka in the movie no, don't don't you even dare. <laughs> he, he hooks up with uh, a girl with white hair. So I was like, oh, this is the girl with the white hair. Got it. But yeah, they have a cute little relationship blossoming. But then she has the typical, oh, no, Sokka, we can't be together for I am betrothed to another. And the guy that she's betrothed to turns out to be a fucking cuck. <laughs> oh, he's nasty. Which is hysterical. <laughs> they, they fight. It's great. I don't know. He like attacks uh, Admiral Zhao at one point, but he falls off the ledge into the water. I don't know if he. I don't know if he fucking falls. dies or drowns or whatever. But I'm like, oh, please just go away because you're useless. I don't know if he. <laughs> he never shows up again, though. No, he doesn't. Basically, after we've established ourselves in this northern water tribe, Aang and Katara are training. Katara is kicking ass. Yes, and and Sokka and Yue are getting closer despite the fact that she's intermittently pushing him away but they still like each other so they're hanging out it's very typical teen romance angsty shit you know you know how it is until it isn't after we establish everything then shit gets really really real because the fire nation is a coming admiral zhao is out to hang on to your hats here kids he's out to destroy the moon because apparently the Northern Water Tribe is home to both the ocean spirit and the moon spirit. And they both basically power the Water Tribe's abilities. And Zhao is like, I know how to kill the moon spirit. Therefore, kill the moon itself. And it's like, oh, apparently that's something you can do. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> well, okay. The reason this is important is because the moon controls the tides. Right, no, I get that. Okay. I'm just saying, you. I didn't know you could kill the fucking moon, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I did not know that you could just snap your fucking fingers and kill a fucking planet. I, I was not aware. But yeah, it's it's awesome, because at one point, he has the moon spirit in the bag before he kills it, and the oh, moon yeah, turns blood they're, red. Right, they're little fishies. The moon spirit and the ocean spirit are two koi's. Right, so before the spirits are stolen by Zhao, Aang, along with Katara and Princess Yue, they go to this spiritual area where one can meditate and be closer to the spirit world. And Aang has previously been connected through Avatar Roku to the spirit world. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go to the spirit world, talk to Avatar Roku, and see what we should do. And he goes to the spirit world. But before he goes, he says to Katara, make sure you protect my body because when I come back, I have to come back to my body. So Katara's like, no problem. You're my friend and I'm going to protect you. So he goes off to the spirit world and his body's sitting there in this weird meditative state, all glowy and shit. And then right at that moment, of course, Prince Zuko comes and he's like, motherfucker, I'm here for the avatar. And this is my favorite fight of the whole fucking season. Zuko versus Katara part two basically yeah. but this is like a way more epic fight because 
Katara is more well trained now and she can do like more badass shit with her powers. Well, so uh, it's a more back and forth fight. It's really fucking good. And you feel the emotion of it because she's trying to protect Aang and he's trying to get to him and they're fucking with each other. I got very Hermione Draco vibes again. Okay. Well, I got it. I know you hate it, but I got it. I felt it in my bones and I liked it. Well, there's also this fight is multifaceted. Zuko is much more powerful than Katara normally, but under the full moon is when they start the fight, and the full moon is where waterbenders are the most powerful. Right, right. So Katara can like match Zuko and does take advantage of it, but firebenders are much more powerful when the sun comes out, and Zuko then takes control after that and does knock Katara senseless. Right, and sh- he does end up taking Aang and absconding with him somewhere, and that's how the episode ends and then we go into the next episode basically with Aang in the spirit world and then Katara, Sokka and Yue looking for Aang and it's a whole fucking song and dance but eventually everything gets put right. Aang zaps back to his body from the spirit world and he realizes that the fishies the koi fishies are the spirits and he has to go and protect them from Admiral Zhao our trio supreme and Princess Yue they all decide hey let's not leave fucking Zuko to die in this blizzard (laughs) let's fucking save him again and it's like how many times are these fucking kids that you hate so much gonna fucking save your life before you realize that they're not so bad come on bro Zuko has a single minded I have one purpose I need to capture the avatar to restore my honor that's what he's going to do but then we get to like the most epicest of epic points in this fucking finale Admiral Zhao kills the fucking moon spirit the moon fishy and they're like, oh no, whatever shall we do? The moon is gone. Iroh's fucking pissed. He's like, you fucking idiot. We all need the moon, you asshole. <laughs> oh, and Iroh kicks the crap out of some people, man. And then fucking Aang. I didn't see this shit coming. He glows blue and he joins he joins forces with the 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 ocean spirit with the ocean spirit which is the other fishy and he fucking transforms into like a fucking stay puffed marshmallow man giant fish <laughs> and starts godzillaing this fucking fire nation fleet it's like holy fuck oh, yeah, <laughs> what he, is happening oh yeah he definitely kills some people here it's fucking nuts i'm like okay i gotta give it to the show i did not see ang turning into a giant fish <laughs> while this is going on suko is fighting Zhao because Zhao tried to kill zuko iroh is holding what used to be the moon spirit and he looks at yue and he goes you've been touched by the moon spirit and she goes yeah the moon so- spirit gave me life when i was a baby or else I would have died. Yeah, she explains that when she was a baby, she was very sick, and her parents prayed to the moon spirit, and they placed her into the water with the moon spirit, and the moon spirit gave her life, and that's why her hair is stark white, and she immediately was well, and she's lived her whole life with a a piece of the moon spirit in her, which gave me another Harry Potter moment, because I'm like, oh my god, Princess Yue is a fucking horcrux for the moon spirit! And then, just like Harry, she sacrifices herself to the fucking moon spirit, and gives the moon spirit her life 
back and it, she dies and it's so sad i actually got a little misty when she said her goodbyes to fucking Sokka, and i was like oh my god they kissed and said goodbye she's like i'll always be with you and he's like oh my god every time he looks at the moon now he's gonna think of you it's so fucking sweet and sad and i can't take this thing anymore ah! Ah! in a glass case of emotion but yeah tell me again that there's no harry potter connections in this uh, fucking show tell me again bitch she's not a horcrux she's a horcrux there is one other character that we didn't touch upon that i want to touch upon real quickly because he does come back later on boomy 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 is a pain in the ass weird old man he is but he is a king of one of the earth kingdom cities and he was a friend of Aang's back in the day, a hundred billion years ago, <laughs> when he was actually like a kid. And it's so fun. The thing is, though, the thing that annoyed me about the episode where they introduced Boomy is that they built it up like, oh, this mystery. Who's Boomy? When like it's it's like no shit. He's the fucking kid. They had a flashback with this crazy kid with a funny looking eye and a weird laugh, and they just so happened to have an old man with a funny eye and a weird laugh. No shit. It's Boomy. Like they make it like it's this big mystery. Boomy is great. Boomy is the second most powerful earthbender in the entire show. Nice. Uh, we have not met the most powerful earthbender in the entire show. We oh, will. Oh, dear. Uh, but Boomy's fucking hysterical as the show goes on because he's a fucking psychopath. Like, the episode's fine. With, like, oh, he's trying to tell Aang, like, you got to think outside the box. You can't just do what they expect you to do. Right. Yeah, no, it was a perfectly fine episode where he was introduced. But, yeah, that was the only thing that really annoyed me about that episode is that they they built it up like it was some fucking huge mystery like like it was gonna be a shock when they revealed that the old man was his childhood friend from years ago and it's like no shit bro like didn't really make it very uh mysterious <laughs> so the battle ends in the last episode yes the finale by the way is the highest rated episode of the season rightfully so it's 9.7 out of 10 it's really fucking great i love the finale i do i really like the finale i think the storm's a better episode it would be a tie for me between the finale it's episode close. and the storm it's very close I, I i could go either way with that but it ends on fire lord ozai talking down to his daughter azula who is obviously zuko's sister who he mentioned earlier in the episode yeah he he says his father used to say to him azula was born lucky you were lucky to be born which I thought was a fucking cool line. I was like, ooh, that's fucking vicious. This gets really crazy between all three of them very quickly. I can't wait to get to that fucking storyline. I gotta say, like, this whole season made me anxious for more. You have to end it well, but you also have to tease the next season. And they did this perfectly. Like, mwah, chef's kiss. So I feel like I know the answer to this question, but Frankie... Mm-hmm. Now that we've watched season one of Avatar The Last Airbender, would you be willing to watch season two? Yes, and we certainly will during next season of Shoot the Flick. Ah! <laughs> so, looking forward to that. If I had to give it a rating, I'd probably say like four and a half out of five. Just to give it some room to potentially go up more in and it will. the future seasons. 
if you haven't watched this show, I understand, like, oh, it was a Nickelodeon show. I'm an older man. Like, I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and just watch the show. Even if you, if you have kids, fucking watch it with your kids. They can get something out of it. You can get something out of it. It's a fun fucking show to watch. Yeah, we are both individuals in our late 20s, and we enjoyed the hell out of this show. So don't knock it till you tried it. <laughs> Next week... Uh, I'm going to be showing Scott a really hilarious movie, a movie that I've seen about a million and bajillion and one times that I was so surprised when I realized that he hadn't seen it. So we got to we got to change this. We have to fix this immediately. So I'm going to get right on it next week. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our hilarious, yuck, yuck, yucking movie adventure. My cabbages. Nick, 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 Nick,